I'm not really a handheld mic guy, but sometimes it's better, so I'm always a straight stand. I'm David Lowry. I'm a musician. I'm the lead singer, uh, main songwriter for two bands, Cracker, Camper Van Beethoven. What I'm going to talk to you today about is... Okay, I guess it's just going to be like this, huh? What I'm going to talk to you today is that um, after about 12 years of working the digital, digital distribution model, um, I've kind of soured on it in the last few years. And I, in particular, I've soured upon it because I don't think the content creators, that is the musicians, are getting a large enough share. I'm told that this is extremely controversial to come here and tell people this. So here goes, but I actually have data. So let's, uh, let's dig into this a little bit. This all started because it was a little bit of hyperbole on my part. I also teach at the University of Georgia. And I was talking with uh, some of my colleagues there, and I started to argue, just as a little bit of hyperbole, that perhaps the bad old record label system actually shared more revenue with the artist. And I was kind of surprised what I found once I started digging into it, okay? First of all, let me give you my qualifications, okay, before we get into this. Um, Singer-songwriter for Cracker and Camper Van Beethoven. I have a gold and platinum album. As an artist, I have eight top 10 modern rock and AAA tracks. I founded one of the first artist-owned indie record labels, Pitch a Tent. I uh, had a long-running, well, it's still going, uh, recording studio complex called Sound of Music Studios, and we recorded everything from like indie rock things like Archers of Loaf to Lamb of God. I'm a platinum-selling producer, things from Counting Crows to Sparkle Horse. Also, uh, the last decade, I spent a lot of time licensing music for commercials and films, other people's music. I also had songwriters, um, jingle writers, basically, working for me. And I also teach at the University of Georgia in the Terry College of Business. I'm sort of their rock economist, okay? Here are my geek qualifications. I don't even know if any... I can out-geek all of you guys, okay? I'm pretty sure. Mathematics at UCSC, MPM, CPM system operator, D-Base scripts, RPG punch card hobbyist, COBOL, 40 years of amateur radio. I'm uh, Kilo Fox 4, Kilo Radio Foxtrot, if there's anybody out there. Uh, I operated in the 90s, I spent a lot of time operating these APRS packet radio nodes on amateur radio. Um, I actually now am sort of uh, anti-digital radio. I'm into this sort of, uh, well, it's digital radio, but it's this low baud rate, like 32-bit um, shortwave radio using very, very narrow um, frequencies, basically, bandwidth. And you can talk like, you can use like a watt and talk to somebody at um, an Antarctic uh, research station. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, I also spent some time as a quant, a derivatives trader. Um, and this may frighten you, but um, much of the derivatives trading and much of all stock trading um, is actually carried out using an Excel plugin called Ready. People actually trade millions of dollars worth of stuff um, using Excel. So that should frighten you.
I was also a board member, uh, board of advisors for Groupon. Before anybody says I don't get the digital distribution model, this is what I've done. Since 1985, I've had a taping policy for both bands. Everything we play live is free. You can share it, as long as you're not making money off of it. We organize tape trees. I remember around 2000 or so, I started leaking all of our songs on the website as we were making them. It really upset our record label, it really upset the people in the band, so I just started hiding them, but the clues were pretty obvious, and it was basically, we leaked our 2002 record pretty much as we were making it to everybody, okay? Um, organized tape trees, when there were tape trees, then CD trees. Uh, if you go to our website and you're a member, you can stream any of our songs at any time. So, I, I call myself sort of a freemium Nista, okay? I don't believe everything should be free, but I give a lot of stuff away for free. I get it, okay? And I've been doing this for at least 12 years with a digital model and going back nearly 30 years sharing music for free, okay? So like I said, this started, this started as a little bit of hyperbole that the new model is battle, better if artists receive a greater share of recorded music revenue than under the old record label model. So what we were all thinking, and what I've been thinking for a long time, was that, sure, overall revenues are down due to digital thievery. I will not call it piracy. Piracy is too cool. Um, but with disintermediation and digital delivery, more revenue will go to the artists. That's what we were all thinking, right? I totally was assuming that was true. I would see sort of these stories about how you know, somebody had released their record directly off of their website and they made a bunch of money and like, wow, that's really great. We sold some of our stuff directly to our fans off of our website. But as you can see, I'm here. I'm hoping to be proved wrong. But so far, it doesn't look like this is actually working, okay? Does not look like, it looks like that, even the bad old record label system actually shared more revenue with the artists, okay? By the way, we are no longer searching for a new digital model. It's here, it's been here for six years. It's really stable. The model is totally stable, we're not searching for it. Um, the fact that people keep saying artists, record labels need to find a new model to make money should suggest to everyone here that the model isn't working and it's doing what I'm saying, that we're getting a lot less revenue. The new distribution model is file sharing plus streaming type things. I'm not being technical, but just like if it's kind of streamed at you, we count it as that, whether it's Spotify, whether it's YouTube, whether you're going to a MySpace page, whether you're going to my own website. And then the iTunes, Amazon, the legitimate digital sales, okay? This is the model, it's here. We're not looking for it anymore. Uh, and this is, these are my notes from my class. I teach a class, so I did this for them. So this is actually more for my benefit than for your benefit. Okay, so what is the data? Okay, so everywhere the data is bad, okay? There's a 64% decline in recorded music revenues 
since the advent of Napster. That's not my data, that's out there. Um, just general kind of polling of my peers, whether they're legacy artists or young artists or whatever. Everybody feels, especially in the last five or six years, there's revenue down. One key thing, though, is almost everybody feels like they're not making enough money from their recorded revenue sales to actually pay for the recordings. So that means, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, that their net under the new model is zero. Okay, but that's all kind of anecdotal. Um, Spotify, other streaming services pay really way too little. I heard somebody talking earlier today about you'd have to be spun several million times to get earn even minimum wage a week if you were spun on Spotify. I'll have to look that one up, but it makes sense to me because it's like 0.002 cents. So you'd have to be spun millions of time a week to make minimum wage as an artist, okay? The main, uh, there's some other stuff going on here too, but the main bit of data though that I had, could get my hands on, is the director of the music and entertainment business program that I teach in at the University of Georgia has a studio complex and it's a run long, uh, long running studio complex. It has uh, two rooms and a lot of engineers and producers that work out of these rooms. And I have the same thing in Richmond, Virginia. So we have like 20 years of like studio booking calendars and notes and stuff like that. So. That's the main bit of data. And that's a smoking gun up there. I know this is all unreadable, but these two studios, I think, are a good place to look and see what artists are doing because it covers all kinds of artists, from hobbyists to people, like I said, Lamb of God, okay? The other reason to look at studio, recording studio data is that with these two studios in particular is they've long been integrated into the home recording paradigm. That is, this is how records are made and have been made uh, for quite a while this way, but essentially people go in and record their basic tracks with the full band in a studio and then they take it home and work on it. And then most of the time they come back to a studio and mix it. Okay, so both of these studios have long been integrated into that paradigm. That's how people have worked at these two studios. And so what you find when you look at this data is that recording studio time, the amount of time people spend on each project has collapsed dramatically. Okay, people are recording records in much shorter amounts of time and the actual rates they're playing, paying to record in these studios has fallen too. So there's a dramatic drop in the amount of money that people are spending on records. Now there could be a lot of reasons for that, but if you're looking at hundreds of projects over 20 years, if you, like I was a mathematician, so I like to apply Occam's razor all the other explanations I get, you have to add too many assumptions, okay? The basic assumption that I come to is that there's not enough revenue is flowing to the artists. 
okay? And it's collapsed dramatically. I have a lot of anecdotal data that I wouldn't qualify as being real data yet, but my wife is a concert promoter. She books hundreds of shows a year. And for the last month, I've been asking every artist I could get my hands on if they made enough money from the sales of their last recording to pay for the recording costs. And it was 100% no. Okay, so what that means is that basically artists are getting zero, not all of them, but it looks like most of them, a large majority of them, are getting zero from their recorded revenue because it does not cover the cost of recording the albums. And these are all different kinds of bands, okay? Now, the other side's argument, and it's kind of fair, unfair of me to lump everybody together, okay? Because I know everybody has a totally different viewpoint, but I'm gonna lump you all together just for simplicity's sake here, okay? The other side's argument is, well, first of all, that, that the other side's argument is that this new model, this digital distribution model, is actually allowing um, artists, the artists are making more money because there's no, say there's no record label involved. Disintermediation is allowing, allowing them to take a larger share of revenues, all right? But every time somebody starts arguing with me about this, I say, okay, well, where's the data? Because I'm totally happy to be convinced on this because I was a firm believer in this. I was, I was a free hottest, okay? I believe that if we just were giving our stuff away and we broke down the barriers, the gateways, if we got past having to go through the record labels and the radio stations and stuff like that, that all of us artists would be better off. This promised new land, I mean, this, this new promised land was, was, was going to be great for us. And so it's only with some sadness that I actually come here and go, you know what, dudes, it's not working, okay? Here are the two big examples, everybody. Well, people give me two kinds of examples about how the new model is better, okay? And I'm going to argue about them. Um, there are a lot of examples, okay? There are a lot of winners. But here, okay, so the first one people always point to is this uh, Pretty Lights album where they gave everything away on BitTorrent. They gave their new album away, okay? And they say, well, look, see, this, the new model works. Well, but this doesn't prove my point about the revenue. They basically gave all, they released their album, I guess, through BitTorrent, and there's hundreds of articles on the internet about this. But my opinion is that unless they got some kind of real marketing dollars from BitTorrent, they got screwed. Because there's no revenue there. So they didn't get any revenue. So if anything, what Pretty Lights did was actually help BitTorrent, okay? People already knew about them. This band was already popular. And so, yes, this, was, this is popularity in a way. It worked in some way, but it did not work on a revenue level. I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna say live music. Okay, I'm gonna get to that, okay? Because that's the biggest myth out there, okay? But for right now, really all they did, it was this, they were exactly as successful as Nyan Cat, okay? They got a lot of people on the internet to experience their content, but there was no real revenue generated for the artists, okay? It's popular. By the way, I think this is a vision 
of our dystopic future, what will happen if you do not pay content creators, this is what we'll be watching 24 hours a day. Here's the other example everybody gives me, and this is a real example. This is a real winner right here, Louis C.K. Uh, you know, basically gave away his show and asked people to donate money. I guess that's how it worked. But he got a lot of money for doing this, a lot more than he would have if he had a traditional video or record deal and done this show that way, okay? So Louis C.K. Okay, so see, the new model works. This is where being a mathematician comes in handy. This is exactly like saying this. I go to Vegas and I win a million dollars and I come back to Atlanta, Georgia and I tell all my friends, I've got this great investment scheme, okay? It's gonna work, it's called the casino model, okay? This is not, this doesn't mean that this works. This just means that one person won. You have to consider you have to consider the losers and the middle income. You have to consider all people who are playing the game. Then you can say the digital distribution model works. If you consider all of them. If overall, on average, and over the long term, more revenue is going to artists, then the new digital model works. Otherwise, you're just talking about a casino where you have a few lucky winners, okay? So, but my data suggests that that's not the case, that the amount of revenue going to artists is dramatically falling. Okay, how could this be? Well. File sharing is obviously, um, well, it enriches file sharing companies and ISPs. They generate real artist-enabled revenue. I want to start a new catchphrase. Artist-enabled revenue, okay? And that's not part of the pie anymore, okay? But that's real money. That's real, that's, those are real businesses that are making real advertising dollars, okay? that are essentially making money off of streaming from files, or not streaming, but sh file sharing sites, okay? Then streaming services that include things like Spotify and YouTube and all of that, they replace some album sales. That's not necessarily a bad thing, okay? I think for a long time you had to buy an album when you really only wanted to listen to one song. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But you were seeing a lot of labels leaving Spotify they're not really big labels, but you're seeing labels leave Spotify because I assume they have data that it's cutting into their sales and that the revenue that they're getting back isn't big enough. I have no political axe to grind here. I'm just telling you what I see and what the conclusions are, okay? And you're seeing a, a well, okay, let's move on from that. But then the other thing that's kind of odd and I didn't really notice this until like the last couple months, but essentially the distribution, digital distribution model, the, the legitimate sales through iTunes and Amazon and stuff like that, for the independent artist, they're paying out 39% of gross to have their albums distributed. 
And if you're on a label, you probably get it to 30%, right? That's what iTunes and Amazon take. I don't think that's the right amount. And I know it's not the right amount because services like Bandcamp and CD Baby do it for a lot less. And it's not like iTunes and Amazon is a risky model anymore. We obviously know it works, right? But here's the main thing about that 30 to 39%. Never in the history of, well, yeah, that I know of, in the history of recorded music, never has anybody taken that large of a share of gross without funding the content, without sharing the risk and the reward. So I think actually the thing that's really screwing up the system is this the entire burden of raising capital and risk is placed upon the artist now. Whereas under the old label system, at least that was shared. However screwed up that was, they shared that, okay? Finally, just because I'm a math geek, I have to mention this though. Um, because we moved from a physical product to an information product, music sales have moved from mediocristan, even if it was there, into extremistan. As, and if anybody's read The Black Swan by Nassim Taleb, they'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I can't really explain it right now. But basically, you end up with a more extreme or wild or non-Gaussian distribution like down at the bottom, okay? That's the other thing that's going on. I don't know if that has anything to do with um, this talk, really, but I just had to point it out just to be fair, okay? Album sales, the variation in album sales. It's gotten wilder, essentially. It's gotten more wild, more non-Gaussian. It was already crazy non-Gaussian, but it's even gone even more that way, okay? Okay, so let's just look at this really quick. Uh, digital distributor takes 30% in the best case scenario, or um, 61 per, uh, or 39% if you have to go through an aggregator if you're an independent artist. So best case scenario, the artist is going to get 70% back. And if you're an independent, you're more likely to get 61%. So I'm going to round it to 65. Okay, now. Here's something else that always shocks people. Most artists actually used to get 25% of gross, minimum. Now, the reason you think artists got a lot less was because there's sort of the whiner bias, as I call it. That means that you heard about the bad deals when people got screwed, but you didn't hear about the other 90% of the deals where the artists were kind of basically happy. The other thing, is that it's kind of, I notice a lot of people when they show how much artists got under the old record label deals, they never include the publishing royalties. And that's kind of dishonest because that's a big chunk of money. So that usually brings the share, artist share of gross revenues up to about 25% under an old record deal. Finally, the last thing about the Weiner bias too, all record deals end 
And when they end, the artist is upset, and then they whine and complain about how bad their record deal is, okay? So I don't blame people for thinking that record deals are all bad. I mean, that's the only thing you ever heard of. That's the whiner bias, okay? And then there's stuff like this on the internet, and the internet is making us stupid because lies are long tail, and they're being, they're growing, and truth is in the head. But um, this is a very non-factual chart that somebody said, remember this the next time you hear that downloads are harming the musicians. I mean, for instance, they have things like the agent getting part of record label deals, but that is all over the internet. That's been looked at millions and millions of times, and that's totally wrong. So anyway, but here's the point. Under the new model, 65% goes to the artist, but the artist pays all expenses, publicity, promotion, advertising, recording, touring, raises all capital, assumes all risk. In practice, net is well below 65%. I actually haven't found anybody lately who's made more than 0%. Under the old model, the artist gets 25%. The artist pays for recording, but the artist assumes no risk and the artist raises no capital. But here's the gag. Um, let me skip. Under the old model, in practice, the artist got more than 25% because supposedly, supposedly Amit Erdogan said, throw 10 records against the wall and we'll see what sticks. He didn't actually say that as far as I can tell. But what it meant was that, and, and you could see it in practice, that 90% of the artists were unrecouped. So most artists were getting way more than 25% of recorded revenue because they were unrecouped. 25% was the floor. So under the digital distribution model, theory, you get 65%, but in practice it goes to zero. Under the old model, you got 25%, but in practice it was like 50 or 100%. In my case, uh, I made a little over 50% on all of my albums. I was always unrecouped. A lot of people don't understand this outside of the business. It's good to be unrecouped because it means that you sold your songs for more than they were worth, basically. Okay? So I'm very proud that I'm like a million dollars unrecouped to EMI, actually. That means I got a million dollars more from them than they made off of what of under the contract. So that was my, there was the old boss and here's the new boss. My point is that people are making money on digital music, uh, digital distribution of music, but it's not really the artists. Finally, um, solutions some sort of content creators union to lobby big web tech companies, like a sort of a fair trade idea. Uh, a content reg registry uh, that file sharing sites have to reference to take the burden off of every artist, like getting up in the morning and searching out all the links on media share and everything else and firing off DMCA letters to everybody. We, we're, we're all tech people. We could come up with a system that shows which files should be shared and which ones shouldn't. And the file sharing sites that didn't want to do that, well, they could set themselves up for a class action lawsuit. And the sites that wanted to be cool, well, they would reference the registry. Um, live rev music revenues cannot replace recorded music revenues. Touring is only profitable for the very top tier of artists. I really get tired of hearing this. 
but we're all techies, right? So you should know you cannot replace a scalable dis business model with a non-scalable business model. Live music will not replace recorded music sales. Um, I had some funny definitions that caused a furor on the internet. It was a, a didgeridiot, which is somebody who's a consumer of web content. Um, it's a little mean. You might want to look it up. And then free hottists, which are the young musicians who are sent out essentially to proselytize the free music model that um, it, those who advocate the best and most loudly for free music and free uh, file sharing are often unsuccessful, frustrated musicians and essentially what they're being, uh, to me, in my view of it, they're free hattists because they're being sent out to blow up their own potential career. That's it, thank you very much. You got the money in advance. Like I got, a, I, we got well, our, my band got like a three quarters of a million dollars for one record one time, and and then like we sold 120,000 copies of it. So we ended up, we we didn't have to spend all that money on the recording. You know that money went in our pockets. So. No, that's with publishing. That was everything added all together. Okay, okay. I'll I'll talk to some people out here though. All right, thanks. Thank you.